on this episode of the podcast, I once again have Chris Wyatt, who's been on the show. This will be his third time on the show to discuss various issues and stories and hardcore. Also, I have my friend Alex Byrne, who contributed a little bit to the conversation. Uh, we talked about Slayer. We talked about our favorite bands. We talked about the photos it shows amongst other topics so sit back relax and enjoy this conversation between three friends about hardcore so you uh you saw slayer i did see slayer how was it yeah we're recording great so, uh, yeah, what do, you, what do you want to know about Slayer? Tell me about your first time seeing Slayer. Uh, yeah, all right, so it's a little embarrassing to say that in my advanced years, this was the first time I've seen Slayer. And I was actually just talking about this with somebody earlier about, like, uh, while I liked some metal bands and I liked some metal records, I was never a metal guy. Yeah. And, like, realistically, the only records by Slayer I like are Raining Blood and Seasons in the Abyss. Yeah. So in the 90s when they were putting out these garbage new metal records, I had no interest. But I figured, like, this is the last time I may as well go see Slayer. So I go see Slayer. Where was that show? Madison Square Garden. Nice. Uh, where a month previous, a few weeks previously, I saw Misfits. Yeah. It's a whole other story. <laughs> um, so I get there for Phil and Samo and the Illegals doing a vulgar display of Pantera. Yeah. People were stoked on it. Yeah. Uh, Phil is a fucking train wreck. Dude mm-hmm. can barely move. And he's only like 51. Yeah. Can barely move. And he's really like, you motherfuckers rule. You know, like. <laughs> was he drunk? Uh, I hope so. <laughs> you know, because otherwise he was having a stroke. But he, he, you know, he got through the songs. They did a couple of songs off of uh, Vulgar and then a couple other like weird random ones. It was like. Why aren't you playing the hits? Like, why didn't you play, like, Broken? You know, like, why didn't you play, uh, you know, like, Five Minutes Alone? You know, like, yeah. versus, like, whatever this shitty heroin song off your last record is, why are you playing that garbage, you know? Trying to sub-move units, man. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you know, and, uh, I mean, they were, they were capable, but it was, like, I'm not a huge Pantera fan. I, like, liked Vulgar Display of Power when it came out. Yeah. It doesn't hold up for me anymore. I liked um, Far Beyond Driven when it came out, for the most part. doesn't hold up. There's only, like, probably five Pantera songs I can listen to total, and then I'm mm. done. Yeah. Uh, but if you're not putting silver dollars on your bass drums, you're not doing Pantera songs. You know, because, like, that's what uh, the fuck is his name? I always want to see if any value, but that's obviously not who it was. That's not the same guy. I, I know, but like Vince Abbott or whatever the fuck his name was, the drummer from Pantera. Yeah, yeah. I'd never cared about that band. Yeah, well, he put silver dollars on his uh, bass drums. That's why they have that weird tinny sound. Hmm. Oh, really? That's why they had that was the Pantera sound, was the silver dollars on the bass drums. Really? You're not doing that. You're not doing Pantera. Things I, I, I didn't know, but Things I, don't, you don't, need I to. don't even know if I need to know. Right. <laughs> like, uh, but, uh,. Yeah, so it was what it was. You thanked yeah. all the motherfuckers in the crowd. You guys rule, you know, like. Um, and then uh, Ministry played. Ministry, if you like Ministry, Ministry. What kind of set played. did they play? The hits. 
Yeah. You know, like I'm not a ministry fan, but I recognize almost every song. Was Chris Conley with them? No, he is. is. He dead? No, he played with them when they played Toronto like a few months ago. Who's Chris Conley? He's at. He's like he's British, and he. Uh, I think he's British, or he's from Ireland or something. He sounds like he's from Ireland. I don't know. He's got like dreadlocked hair, but they all do, don't they? Yeah, I mean, they all do. Like, whether it's their hair or not, I don't know, but they, they all do. But yeah. So, Alex Jorgensen is sixty-one. Yeah. And he's like jumping around and doing his little golem thing, and like. Yeah. And then you have like Frankenstein Phil Ansamo who can barely walk. Yeah. Somebody clearly got better heroin than the other. Just saying. <laughs> okay, uh, fair enough. Yeah, so, like, Ministry was fine. Primus played. I'm not into Primus. I may have fallen asleep <laughs> once or twice. I may have said on Facebook that Primus is tool for people who have never had anything bad happen to them. <laughs> uh, they had a nice, like, cartoon video show that really reminded me of Tool. It was like... yeah. This is, you know, this body uh, mood, like, uh, not my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Slayer played a lot of fire. Yeah. Like the whole time, like, they opened with uh, War Ensemble, I think, which is yeah. a decent opening. A uh, lot of fire. Like, so much fire, I was like, how are these guys not, like, dying up there? Like, I can feel the heat. <laughs> yeah. Here, you know, like, flame crosses and shit. And, like, yeah. you know, they run through the hits. It was fine. Yeah. As I said, I think somewhere on Facebook or something, I, I understand why this is the end because Carrie King can't do a lot of the like more intricate finger parts to the songs. Yeah. I don't know. He's better at him than Jeff in, in his defense. Jeff's dead, so anyone's better at it. <laughs> you know, like, Thanks for walking me through that. <laughs> well, actually, Jeff's dead. Um, but uh, yeah, but like there was some song, some song that. I don't know because I only like two Slayer records mm-hmm. that starts out with some kind of like, you know, do, 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 or, or whatever. It's, let's say for argument's sake, it's like, do, 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 do. he's like, do, 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 do. <laughs> let me try that again. Do, 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 do. And it was like, oh yeah, you can't do this anymore. Why does it just have like somebody play behind like a curtain or something? Like fucking Doyle. Yeah, do something like that. Yeah. that that's how you keep it going. Yeah, they just, they're, <laughs> just put a guy out there punching his guitar. And <laughs> Dude, you was at points punching his guitar. Like, it was just like, wow, man, like, those fucking sausages can't do this anymore, can they? Like, I can see those bloated fuckers from here. And uh, so he, you know, it's like, okay, this is why it's done. Carrie King can't do it anymore. Yeah. But it was decent. Lots of fire played the hits. Uh, I was really hoping for some kind of light show during like Rainy Blood, but yeah. it didn't. I guess the light show was for other legs of the tour. We got the fire stuff. Yeah. At the end of it, um, Tom Aria, Aria, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, he really, he really seemed sincere when he was like, "I'm gonna miss this. I'm gonna miss you guys." Like, he seemed sincere, just kind of wandered around the stage for like ten minutes. I was like doing some hand thing to the crowd, and I was like. I don't know if you're doing some kind of sign language. I love you. Like, I'm not sure what's going on, but it seems sincere. No encore, which is great. Yeah. Um, And, you know, and then as we're leaving, people are like screaming, Slayer! And I was just like, yeah, this is what I really didn't want to have to deal with. (laughs) Uh, This is why I don't go to Slayer concerts or shows or whatever you want to call it. It's definitely not a show, but like Slayer gigs, if you call them. Do you call them shows, concerts, or gigs? What's that? Do you call them shows, concerts, or gigs? So it depends on what you're going to. So like, yeah. 
Uh, I don't like using the word concert and concert to me as a sitting situation, which I'm fine with. Yeah. If I can sit and watch a band, I'm totally like, if I'm, if I'm in Madison Square Garden, I can sit and watch your bands. Mm-hmm. I'm at a concert and I'm okay with that. Okay. Um, I sat and watched the Misfits, but I didn't really see anything because people were standing because I just don't care so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was cool. I like, checked it out. Like they, the songs that I know they played, I was like, hey, cool. It's a picture. like, this is cool. Like I was never a Misfits fan. I'm sure I said this on here before. I was a bad punk rock kid because I didn't like Sex Pistols, didn't like Misfits, didn't really like The Clash. Once I started to get into like real shit, you know. Like, yeah. I only like one of those bands. So. Which one is that? The Misfits. Yeah. yeah, I basically don't give a shit about either of the others. The Clash are punk for people who don't actually like punk. And the Sex Pistols are 100% image. Yeah, totally. I mean, the Clash I mean, the Clash had radio hits. They were the first big. And then I get, like, when they were starting out, they were apparently influenced by the Ramones to do a band. And they were, like, kind of like U2 in the sense that they weren't a nihilistic punk band, but they were a rock band with a message, so they kind of defaulted as a punk band, and they played with, at the time, punk bands like Blondie and Iggy Pop and whatever else. Those bands that like are quantified as punk are put down in music history as punk, but if you talk to anybody who really gives a shit about anything, they're not really punk bands. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's a punk adjacent dad rock. Yeah. 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 <laughs> at this, at this point, yeah, it might as well be. Yeah. Um, so I don't like using the word concert. So something big, like big, like that would be a gig, but a show as a, an example, when I saw the misfits in New Jersey with Harley Murphy's law and suicidal, mm. that was a gig concert stadium. Jimmy Gestapo turned it into a show. Okay. You know, so like it's, it's, it, the size of the venue doesn't necessarily matter. It's the, how the band reacts to that venue and the size of it that can determine concert gig or show. Yeah, okay. It's all I feel. Know. I think that's it. You know, if you're in a place like, like the Prudential Center or MSG, then it also has a lot to do with whether you went for the floor or if you're in seats as far as the feel of what that's going to be yeah but like I had the opportunity to go to the floor and I didn't I let other friends of ours do it because like union shit and uh, and I was just like I don't I don't need to see the misfits from the floor because I don't care enough Mm -hmm. so I let the other people go down to the floor and they had a great time and they didn't feel so bad spending whatever it was that was spent spent 294 after uh after fees. You know, for the that, floor? or For the floor. floor. Yeah, like I'm not. And I'm not that's straight that. from Ticketmaster. I mean. Yeah. Did you go to MSG or not? No, nah, I actually, I really wanted to. That show got announced two days after I had paid for a vacation. And I was out of town from like two days before the show until. MSG was good. Like I saw them in Jersey and I saw the MSG show. Um, Madison Square Garden was definitely better, but Danzig's mother died like that day or the day before of the New Jersey show. Mm-hmm. So people were like, oh, his voice sucked. And I was like, dude, his mom just fucking died. Like, mm-hmm. come on. I thought you know? Danzig's voice was terrible when he was talking and when he was when he was singing. It came yeah, he, through was, just he fine. was fine. Yeah, but when he was talking, there was definitely something going I didn't, on. I didn't know that, actually. Yeah. But I, I, went into, I went into the Jersey show expecting... My my approach to it was basically I expect that this is going to suck. 
And but but I I know for a fact that I will regret it if I never see them, and I yeah. don't know how many chances I'm going to have. Right. So I just went, and I figured if I'm going, I'm just going to spring for for the floor because, uh, you know, why not? If it's a one-off thing, and I was blown away. I thought they were absolutely great. And, they were better um, at Madison Square Garden. Like definitely better at Madison Square Garden. They all seemed like, for the most part, they were having a good time. Uh, you know, Danzig's making fun of Jerry for shit. You know, but not yeah. in like a really malicious way, but just in like, we're in a band together and you're doing something stupid and I'm going to kind of fucking crack jokes about you about this. Doyle's Doyle. Yeah. You know. Um, Basically just doing rocket science on stage. <laughs> like, you know, clearly, clearly <laughs> that guy's playing while you're just fucking banging on your guitar. That's probably a stigma. You know, like, come on. Um, so. But he did look cool. He, did, oh, he always looks cool. For, like, being 60. I, I will fucking worship at the altar of Doyle. Is Doyle sixty? He's an old dude. Uh, he's, he's I think he's there. a little bit he's a little bit younger than that, but he's getting. But he's there. up there. He's, he's definitely like mid to late fifties. Yeah, he's definitely past fifty five. See Doyle here. He's uh he's fifty five. Yeah, look at that. So, well, I yeah, I said past fifty five, and I'm right by two months. So the bad guy. Like, look at that. Like, damn! <laughs> you know, yeah, seriously. Like, I've never seen a man of 55 or older who looks so good. Paul. We'll call him Paul. Paul. Paul Kaifa. <laughs> Paul Kaifa. Um, so, did you see Harley? I did. What'd you think? Uh, remember, eight people are going to listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> I think it sounded like. It sounded like fucking mud when they played because the arena was still empty. And on top of that, I don't know. It's just, it's it's weird. It's like, I have a, a weird relationship in my own head with the Cro-Mags at this point because the Age of Quarrel has been one of my favorite records forever, uh, basically since the first time I heard it. Mm-hmm. I've always been, you know, Lukewarm on best wishes, and I think that you could make you could make a solid case for a few songs off of the next couple records. But I kind of like the idea of the John Joseph version that just goes out, plays the hits, gets off, uh, gets off the stage, and they're done. The Harley version that kind of goes a little bit deeper, but also I think plays some filler and skips some songs that they shouldn't, and. It's it's kind of weird. I also think that hardcore with a singer playing an instrument is kind of a weird scene. Um, uh, I don't know that I necessarily have a problem with that. I would honestly much rather that Harley have a bass in his hands, sure, than anything else because you don't know. Um, <laughs> but uh, and I feel like that's definitely more of a punk thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, I will say there are no bad Chromax records. Really? I, I will I will stand by that. The, not including the new seven inches. Not that they're bad, but to me they're not really. I like that stuff better than Revenge by a lot. Um, I'm not saying it's my you know it's yeah yeah no I I understand what you're saying, but Revenge has Paris playing guitar. Sure. And. What whatever anyone wants to say, this may have I may have said this before, that um, uh, those four or five guys, no one else could have made Age of Quarrel. 
and Asia Quarrel is obviously the crown jewel. Like it is the jewel of the Chromax crown. I know that there's some quick interjection. Like, yeah, best wishes, but like they're fucking idiots. Yeah, they're they're dumb. <laughs> Who's the who's the disposable one if it's four or five? Well, there's there's um contention about whether Doug Holland actually played on anything or not. Ah, oh, fair enough. So so it's like the the four being Mackie, Harley, Paris, and JJ. No one else could have made that record. Uh, and depending on the day of the week you catch them, they will or will not agree on that. Would Best Wishes have been better with J.J. singing on it? I don't know. Because it was more metal. Harley, I'm not saying Harley was the greatest singer for it. But, you know, but I I can find a redeeming quality on every Chromax record. Not including the 7 It's a little bit tougher when you get to Near Death Experience. Near Death Experience has bangers. It has no Eyes of Tomorrow. But Eyes of Tomorrow is a song that they will never play. Even if they were like, Kumbaya, we're getting a million dollars, let's play. That song's not happening. That's fucking idiotic. Is that I the rap agree. song? That's comfortably... Dude, this is fucking one of the greatest that's... songs. Even though it's a total Slayer riff, but like that part with the like, the fucking scratch into the, oh my fucking God. You think that that song, die. you think that that song is ending like four times before it actually ends, and every single time I'm just like, ah, oh, give me a little bit. Oh, there it is. No, but that like, I want more. Wait, 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 wait. Just like, Holy shit, I'm just gonna fucking smash you. I don't care. <laughs> like, you could be my mother, you're getting smashed right now. Like, that song is so fucking good. Yeah. But yes, there is no Eyes of Tomorrow on Near Death Experience, but Near Death Experience has, uh, I'm drawing a blank, so I actually have to look at my phone like a fucking poser. Is <laughs> <laughs> that right? Watch it not be on here. I'm talking all this shit. Um, it's a big say goodbye to Mother Earth guy. Dude, that song is fucking great. And it's not on here. Uh, How many like actual Chromags like pre like just Harley doing it albums are there? The only the Revenge and Best Wishes are the two with Harley doing all the vocals. Okay. Um, and then Near Death Experience and Age of Quarrel is JJ only doing the vocals. Mm-hmm. And both of them doing the vocals with a weird mix on Alpha Omega. Okay. So you can kind of like if you really listen, you can kind of tell who's doing what. Mm-hmm. You know, just because they have a different delivery style. Kind of, but I feel like it's it's the the style just overlaps so much because I feel like Harley. I don't know if, if it's actually organic that their voices sound so similar, or if Harley was trying to like cover for John being gone. On. The word the word the word on the street is that Harley kind of mimicked JJ's vocal style and mixed them so they were very like, tonally similar in case JJ bounced. He could do all of it himself and you wouldn't be able to tell the difference difference between that and the record, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. uh <coughs> but like I, said, I can find a redeeming quality about every Chromax record. Uh, even though I still stand by the Youth of Today catalog is stronger than the Chromax catalog. It definitely is. Yeah. It's without a doubt. They're 39 for 39. The Chromax have a ton of filler. Yeah. I got. They have I 39 got, songs? That I'm, that seems right. I'm pretty sure that's right. <laughs> okay. I got unfriended by both and, Paris and JJ for saying that on Facebook. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then Paris, like, there was a re-ad later on because he forgot. <laughs> 
why did I unfriend this guy? Right. Like, oh, oh, right. Dare question. So let's just change the subject here. So we have Alex Byrne here on the show. New, new, uh, new show guy here, <laughs> hanging out. So Alex, how old are you? I'm, I don't want to talk. I'm 37. All right. Ugh. So I mean, one of the, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show. I mean, we're we're good friends. We're pretty close friends. But is there anyone you know of your age that you think still travels to shows the way that you travel to shows? I mean, I don't know. I mean, from Buffalo. Here, no. I yeah. Gonna say no I, I, see, I see Alex sometimes, but I don't see anyone else. Yeah. I mean, do you think... Not consistently. So, you travel to shows. Like, what What do you What do you think keeps you traveling to shows? Because I stopped traveling to shows, like, a long-ass time ago. I mean, I still go for... I still go for, like, you know, special, special stuff, but... I want to have a good time. Yeah. And if a good time's not coming to me, then I'll go to a good time. That's fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Shows don't come through here because there are not that many bands that are happening here right now that, or for the last couple years, that actually bring other bands through. True. And, I mean, it's just... Also, who wants to play on a Tuesday night in front of 20 people? There were some people at the Rotting Out show last week. It's Rotting Out, though. Rotting Out's like a bigger band, and they don't come through here that often. Yeah. How many people you say were at the show last week? Oh, I'm terrible at that. Yeah. Maybe 100, 150. That's pretty good. I don't know. It, it did all right. And then, you know, before that, oh. it's, it's, and we had Agnostic Front and then Slapshot a week apart on Wednesdays. And AF was definitely a lot denser, but Slapshot was, it wasn't sparse. It was, yeah. it was okay. It wasn't terrible. But it's yeah. also a Wednesday in Buffalo with nothing interesting, yeah. particularly happening. So, I mean, so okay so we we talked about traveling kind of i I wanted to bring that up i feel like i feel like that's part of the whole thing like you know they like there's people you know i think people who like go to shows like and travel and stuff like that's i don't think that's a common thing anymore maybe i'm old and i don't see it but i don't know if young kids are still doing that i mean i think it's i think it depends on where you're at because i know there are a few philly people who will come to new york for certain shows yeah um, and there's some New York people, like, I mean, I'll go to Philly for a show if it's worth it. Yeah. Um, and there's a number of New York people that will go to Philly for shows if it's worth it. I uh, feel like that's not that far, though. It's not. You know, it, it's funny because it's two hours from New York. Yeah. But it's a fast two hours versus Buffalo to Syracuse, which is like two hours, is like a life-draining two hours. It is. It's definitely a life-draining you know, two hours. Like, <laughs> but Buffalo or New York to Philly is just like, oh, they're cool. You know, yeah, the, the time perspectives. Definitely, I feel like one thing that's kind of killed that a lot is that, I mean, when I was when I was like twenty years old, mm-hmm. the one or two fests that happened. Yeah, and you know, now I, you, there are a ton. Yeah, I mean, fest culture is definitely affected travel, but also being um, here. So, like in the 90s, Erie had a banging scene, Syracuse had a banging scene, Hamilton had a halfway decent thing going on. So you could travel two hours in any direction and, and there's something going on. Or Cleveland was four hours and there was things going on in Cleveland. Cleveland was like three. 
Yeah, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, it, it, nothing was like such a distance away that you wouldn't travel for it. And like, you didn't have people filming every show, and you didn't have people taking pictures of every show. So if you wanted to see what Dwid was going to fucking say this time, you had to go to where Integrity was playing. You just don't wait two weeks for the video to come out, or what, or go to YouTube because it's instantly, or whatever. So, I would say fest culture to a degree downplays travel or has taken from the traveling the constant filming of shows because you can just watch it on your yeah. computer in a couple of days. Um, in this area, Syracuse doesn't really have a whole lot going on. Like they have bands going on, but they don't have regular shows. You know, mm-hmm. Erie doesn't have a Any, regular anything? thing going on. I mean, they. I, some of the older guys are doing stuff, sure. but they have lives and families and jobs, so they're not like every weekend. This is playing, you know. Yeah. Hate reads playing in the back of a record store. Like that doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, I don't even know what's in Toronto. Like, if anything, there's shows Toronto's, up there. Toronto's kind of weird. There aren't a, there aren't a ton of there aren't a ton of like smaller bands yeah. there, and I think Millspec is really cool, and. Beyond them, I, I don't know of a ton that really catches my eye other than bands that have just been around forever that Right. That well, still but like you said, you know, so I'm saying like there isn't it isn't like twenty years ago where there was things going on in these places three to four hours away in any direction and you can go to something that's gonna be cool. If there's not something happening here, it's happening in Erie. It's not happening in Erie, it's happening in Syracuse. Yeah. It's not happening in Syracuse, it's definitely happening in Cleveland. You don't have that now. So yeah. Why travel? You know, like, not everyone's going to drive to New York for a show that they can wait for the fest to happen, you know, or wait for the video to come online, you know. Most stuff goes to Toronto, but shows in Toronto tend to have kind of bigger shows, tend to have a really weird vibe there to me. Yeah. It's just, it's it's kind of... How so? What kind of weird vibe? I feel like a lot of people just... Like anti-American, a lot of blue laces. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you like a lot of people. With your Americanism. Well, a lot of people just go because it's something to do and don't really seem very invested in it. Mm-hmm. And I think that I, hardcore shows are a participation sport. They're, yeah, no, they're, I agree with that. It, it's just it's it's weird to go to a show and just have a bunch of people standing around looking pretty and just. Uh, it's it's strange. Yeah. yeah, I definitely get that vibe from Toronto. Like it's they get everything, but I think they don't appreciate what they got. You know, yeah. there's some real dudes there, but that they're I think a minority yeah. when you go to bigger stuff like that. Yeah, and that blue laces comment was back in the day. Uh, Canadian skinheads would wear blue laces to let you know that you hated Americans. Really? Kind of. They would see like we definitely were up in. Um, Maybe Niagara Falls, a Canadian side record shopping, mm. and they saw our New York plates and started away like, prepping to fight. Really? Like, what yeah. year was that? Eighty-nine, maybe. Really? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Blue laces in Canada, man. You were on. You hated Americans. Good times. That seems like a worthwhile endeavor. Uh, you know, it's back, back when things meant things. That's hardcore, though. You know, like, a lot of dumb shit in hardcore. Yeah. Braces and men shit. Just fucking whatever. Yeah. So, um, where was I going to go next with you guys? You don't have a list? No, I didn't make a list. I see, I see like, uh, 
that was my board, but nothing nothing on it. That was my lyric sheet for band practice, but I didn't get to anything. So I'm going to go back to uh, <laughs> Chrome Eggs record. And, uh, we can get off the Chrome Eggs. <laughs> Hold on, there's like two of them out there. But enough for everyone. So, um... How were those? Uh, speaking of shows, maybe we can talk about shows. How were those? How were those one hundred and eight shows? Awesome, they were great. Yeah, uh, I I preferred the first one. Um, the that, second one that was at Vitus. The mm-hmm. second one was at Brooklyn Bazaar. Brooklyn Bazaar's closing, mm-hmm. which sucks because it was a, it was a cool venue. Is it closing or are they just like not doing shows there anymore? It's closing because they like raised the rent. They're going to sell the building or some uh. shit. Like so, it's like done. Um, so a lot of people liked the second show better. Rob was having some kind of migraine issue the first show, so it was, and there was just weird things, but I just enjoyed it more. Yeah. Except for a couple of things that I'm not necessarily going to go into. Mm-hmm. Um, my problem with the second show, there were literally 10 people with, like, professional camera setups <laughs> And during Race Trader, the front of the stage was just all of these, like, paparazzi kids yeah and like there's i, I could get into that <laughs> there's a couple that like it's cool you're taking good pictures you've been doing it for a long time i'm fine with that mm-hmm. but your seven friends need to fuck off i agree hey guys, you know? going to nyu for photography i, I don't <laughs> even know that's necessarily that but they're I'm just a like, freshman. They're like yeah they're just like and um we went to the girl biscuits boat show yeah which was a lot of fun and uh siv said you know paraphrasing uh, you know, while well, all of you photographers get behind the band, because I'm about to sing along as a stage dives, not a paparazzi photo shoot when I come up. When mm-hmm. I come up you know, and it was like, fucking thank you. Maybe this will gain traction. Mm-hmm. I guess the singer from Regional Justice Center also talks about, like, yeah, he talked about it on his podcast. Shit, yeah. You know, like, chill with the camera shit. Like, I now understand why big bands with barricades have a two or three song limit on photography yeah i fucking get it now i was bummed out by it i kind of watched one away from the side and all i could see was this fucking kid's floor punch sweatshirt because he was standing on the stage taking pictures <laughs> and it was just like and i was just like this sucks you know yeah. like i'm a photographer they're having a great time yeah but i'm a photographer and i don't i think it's i think it's freaking stupid like if i take pictures of the show I stand on the side, on the floor, and I try to get shots from there. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of people, like, Danielle Dombrowski, she knows what she's doing. Yeah, she's been around. She's been so. around forever. Yeah. JC knows what he's doing, and he generally does it from the floor. Mm-hmm. You know, but these other guys and girls who are or ladies, whatever, are just like, I'm right here! You know, it's like, <laughs> fuck off. And then you start to get people, like, playing to the cameras. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to, like, I literally saw a guy, like, fucking singing along to the camera for a good picture. And it's like, get the fuck out of my scene. And as shitty as that sounds, like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. If you're not vibing because the band is making you vibe, you're vibing because you can show someone a picture later. And I do it. If I'm in a picture, I'm like, hey, look at me on Instagram. Cool. But that's not why I'm there is to get my picture taken. You know, like, if, if that's what it's about to you, fuck off. You know, like, I've seen people... In their bands, their band is being filmed, and they're singing to the camera, not to the crowd. Yeah. Fuck off. You know, yeah. like this clearly, clearly, you want to be about something else. Go to where that happens. They want to have something to show their friends, I guess. You know, that's. I think that's what it's all about. Like, it's all about impressing your friends with, 
look what I did and um, this and that, you know. That's great, but like, do it at the fest where that <laughs> stage can support 10 cameras. Yeah. You know, like, don't do it at. That, that shit's totally out of control at big fests, too. Yeah, but you know, it's like, it's, it's a fest, you know, like, a fest isn't really a show, you know, because it's in a big venue, there's this giant stage. You've got like a hundred fucking people up on that stage. Mm-hmm. You know, like thirty of them have cameras, five of them have video cameras. You know, like what have you? You know, it, it is what it is. Like, no disrespect to any fests. I don't know who actually listens to the podcast, so I don't know who is <laughs> actually upset. But yeah. no disrespect to any fests. But uh, to me, United Blood is a hardcore fest for hardcore kids. Yeah. Because it's that it's not about any of that shit, you know. Um, and wild shit happens at United Blood, and it doesn't really get documented because that's not what it's about, you know. Yeah. I think they have like one guy who like videos over there at that, and like that's all you need. I yeah. Mean, everyone's got to have their freaking video everywhere, yeah. and it's yeah. kind of it's kind of annoying. Three camera setups with uh, soundboard. I think if you have one guy with a three-camera setup, that's fine. But if you have, like, a bunch of people well, recording... you have one guy with a three-camera setup and then ten people with their camera rigs, yeah. you know, trying to get, like, pictures that they can't sell to anyone. It's like, let the guy who does it, like, who has the setup just do it and, like... Yeah. There's nothing you can capture that that guy didn't yeah. capture yeah. and can do better than you. Like, who cares if I you, would, like... I would rather have the, the one guy with a three-camera setup than... The one amateurish photographer yeah. setting up three flashes to, to trigger remotely. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was a point where I was like, just, and I was like, dude, if there's like any vets in here with PTSD, they're going to lose their fucking shit because it's like, <laughs> you know, fucking, I don't fucking know. Because <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck, you know? It's just too much. It's like, it's like, I think maybe they need to like have like credentials and stuff. Like, you can't have well, all these. Saying, like, I get why big bands are like, two, three song limit on cameras, and that's it. And it, it, it sucks that I think of this, mm-hmm. you know, like, because I, I mean, old as dirt, but I still consider myself like a hardcore kid or whatever. Yeah. But the first thing I'm thinking is like, oh, now I get it. Yeah. And it's fucked up that it even comes into my head, you know, like that shouldn't even be a thing. Yeah. But everybody's cool with it because they can like, look at me stage diving, or look at me like really singing along, or like, <laughs> you know, look at me doing whatever fucking thing I'm doing, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like the guy from Regional Justice Center talked about that on his podcast, the uh, Worst Possible Timeline podcast, and he was just talking about how like he felt like people were using his art to to uh, to like further their own art. You know, like they're right. they're creating stuff for Instagram. That's all they're doing. They're not doing anything with the picture except creating like content for people to like on Instagram, rather than like doing it for any reason, like. For publishing, or maybe so a band can use it or something. Right. They're doing it just for themselves. That's what I was kind of saying. Like, there's no magazines to sell these to. Yeah. You know, there's no, like, I mean, I don't know if websites buy these pictures. I, like, I don't know why, like, some people take really great pictures. Mm-hmm. What are you doing with it besides putting it on your Instagram? Yeah. And then I see a picture with me and then I take it and put it on my Instagram. It, what's happening with it, you know? Yeah. It's just the way of the world now, though, kind of, I guess. Yeah. You know, everyone's... I don't understand people on Instagram who are, like, doing stuff, and somehow there's a picture of them doing what they're doing. Like, 
they went apple picking and like why is it someone photographing this couple apple picking rather than like you maybe photographing your girlfriend apple picking just or pick a fucking apple <laughs> like, <laughs> or like, just pick a fucking apple yeah like why are you like how what, you found someone to take a picture of you apple picking rather yeah. than just like apple picking or maybe get a candid picture of your girlfriend apple picking or something yeah. it's just it's really dumb I mean yeah. but we, we just we probably just sound it's really ever, old we probably just do sound really old <laughs> people want to be documented I mean like even when people took pictures in the 90s, you know, yeah. we went through them to find ourselves and what have you. Yeah. You know, but, like, it's just... You had to make a zine, though, to do that with all true, that crap. Right? So. Yeah, that's true. You had to put some work in, you know. While Agnostic Front was playing here a couple of weeks ago, some dickhead was up front and turned his back to the band to take a selfie with Roger oh, in the background right. while they were playing... And my heart died. I snuck into I snuck into a Harley show in uh, Queens um, a couple years back when he was first starting to do shows, and it was one of those things like you're really not supposed to like go and support or whatever. Yeah, and I saw a couple of people there. And we always kind of looked at each other. Like, yeah, we're not here. <laughs> but uh, Harley walks in, and I just walk in behind him. And they just assumed I was with him. Yeah, I, I don't feel so bad because I'm not actually giving him money. Yeah, but. One of the security guys at this venue, I don't know if he was doing a selfie or a live stream, but he was definitely like holding his phone with Harley behind him. And the dude was tall, so he kept trying to like get him in the picture and he just kept moving in front of him for like a whole song. It's like, this is fucking weird. Like, I don't know what's happening. Although back in the 90s, I was like, I saw Texas the Reason and me and two of my friends were like, we like took a selfie of us like singing along the text season with finger points and stuff. And I thought that was funny. That is funny because that's not a finger point. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. We were being funny and like, yeah, you know, that but is funny. <laughs> also, if you're making a short list of bands with really misleading names relative to their sound, they're on it. Texas is the reason. I, 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 it's not a diss to Garrett. Once upon a time, Garrett and I were friends like fucking 30 years ago. I don't like his voice. Yeah. So almost any band he's been in, I have not cared for, and I've tried. Yeah, and I just don't. So I never really. Texas is the reason. Live, fine. But I try right. to listen to recording them. This isn't for me. Yeah. I'm no, I'm um, no fanboy, but I think they're fine. Yeah, his solo stuff. It's just his voice. I just don't like his voice. Yeah. Um. Fair enough. And you know, and I always go on about how good Blend was, which was him and Gwen Sizemansky, and I may have mentioned on this before. Um, and uh, a couple of other guys. Uh, I'm sure you saw Blends. No, I didn't. Never did. No, they're. I always felt that they were like the best band that he did because they still had a bit of hardcore to them, but they were obviously in that other direction. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they ever recorded anything. Like Glenn keeps saying he has something, but I've been trying. Yeah, I think they have a demo. Twenty-five years. But I'm kind of glad I never did because I'm afraid that I'm going to hear his voice and just be like, "Oh, this sucks." (laughs) Fair enough. This this is terrible. Fair enough. So, uh, would you say you chimed in on the whole photographer thing? <laughs> I don't know. We were talking about photographers and stuff. Like, you had your opinion, you know? Did you say anything? I don't know. I'm, I'm were not... you at the Snapcase show? Do you know, first of all, do you know who Paul Markham is? No, who's Paul Markham? Uh, Paul Markham, he's a Buffalo guy who was in California now. He tours with, like, hair metal bands of security. Mm-hmm. He used to do security of shows here. Um... Think he was Special Kid's cousin, Special Kid Tough Girl. Shout out to <laughs> uh, 
I think he was Ryan's cousin. Um, really going there? Well, Paul Markham is a kind of big guy. Yeah. And uh, he was, I believe it was a Snapcase show. He's never going to listen to this, but I believe it was a Snapcase show. He's doing stage security. Yeah. And some kid reaches over his shoulder to take a picture. Yeah. Markham just grabs his arm and like fucking flips him on the stage and smashes his whole camera setup. What year was this? Um, ninety four maybe. Yeah. Because I met him in, I think ninety five. Mm-hmm. So maybe ninety four. And the kid is like, "Ah, you smashed my camera!" And he was just like. Mm-hmm. Right, like, <laughs> you don't reach over people's shoulders. <laughs> you scared me. Right, but it was just funny. Thought you were attacking me with your camera. And, and I think about that when I see all these camera people, like, where is Paul Markham when I need him? Yeah, I saw that video from that New new Age Fest, the okay. the one at the locker room, the West Coast one. Yeah, there was I, like honestly, a lo- I don't watch videos. There's a video, like, with... A line of kids up because there was like no one at the show at oh. the time of the like that they were shooting, but there was like no one at the show, so there was like just like five camera people standing up front. Oh. If there was no one there, I would probably still stand on the side. Like, why would I go up and shoot in the front of a band? Right, like, like right. You know, like I really, yeah, I don't really watch videos. Yeah, um, I, I just don't like if if I want to check out a new band, I will. If I'm not going to see him, which I probably won't, because most shows, for, even in New York City, are on weekdays, and I'm not doing a weekday show. Yeah. If it's not a Sunday matinee, I'm not doing it. You know, I can get up for work at 4 in the morning. I'm not going to a fucking show. Get you. You know? Um, but uh, I'll, I'll check them out on Bandcamp. Yeah. You know, like, there's very few bands that are going to do anything that's going to impress me live or in video where I'm like, oh, shit, like, are you going to set yourself on fire? No. <laughs> are you going to murder someone in the crowd? No. And you're probably not going to do anything that I haven't seen before. You've you seen know? crowd murder? No, that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> that, that's his white to, whale. Like, right, are you going to do this? Like, is, is a giant fight going to erupt during your set and you're going to keep playing? Yeah. You know, like, no, I don't, I don't even see the video, really. You know, it was like, a Cleveland Fest incident going to happen again where there's more footage of people chasing each other around and actual bands playing? Like, <laughs> no. Anytime uh, interesting shit like that happens, too, there's no footage of it. Right. I was at a negative approach show in Rochester a couple of years ago. There was a fight because some drunk idiot grabbed a girl and uh, she punched him in the face a couple times. I actually tried to break it up so that the show wouldn't get shut down and then she punched me in the face for trying to break it up. Yeah, you know. I said, all right, do whatever. They took it out to the parking lot and the guy got stabbed and almost died. No footage. Well, no cameras are going out in the parking lot. Like, they're not going to fucking follow yeah. out in the parking lot. They're not leaving their perch. <laughs> you know, like, uh, okay, it's out the door, back to the vans. Yeah, you know? the show was unremarkable other than that. I mean, Negative it's Approach negative was... Approach. was like, nothing against Negative Approach. They, they're they are great for what they're doing. I, it's, it's, I would absolutely listen to an argument that John Brandon is still the best frontman in hardcore. That he is legitimately terrifying. Uh, there's something fucking broken in him, and, and I say that in, in the fondest way. It's, fair. it's it's like he's the most intense man in the world. That's fair. I'm not gonna argue that point. I don't know if, if for intensity, best from him, sure. Uh, you know, but like fully entertaining, I don't know about that. I mean, he just fucking glares and screeches. You know, <laughs> you know, like not saying that I want to like get into an argument with him or whatever. 
but I'm just saying, like, yeah, the screech drive, the screech turns me off. Listen, man. I mean, you got if you can if you can show me like 1980 HR version two, where I have some legit lunatic doing backflips all over the place, and I mean, then I'm I'm totally open to. No, I mean for a given that for crowd a up. person of his age doing what he does, yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, you know, particularly when people who are ten or twenty years younger than him don't do shit, and they and they cannot manifest that intensity. Yeah, totally. I mean, hardcore is a young man's game. Like I, I'm not anywhere near. I have way more shit to be worried about and upset about now than I did when I was eighteen, nineteen years old. Obviously, but I was way more angry and upset then. Because I just, I, I mean, we're all emotional idiots at that point. True. I think that it's tough to to generate the same kind of intensity when you get older. But that See, dude still seems that. broken. I disagree with that. Um, I would say that I am as... I'm as angry as I was when I was 19, but I know how to channel it differently. You're cognizant of the same things, but you're not angry. You're cognizant of of the issues in the world, but you're not actually. It's not manifesting itself as anger. It's like this is a checklist of shit that needs to be fixed, which is a no. Little different. I disagree with that because uh, I am legitimately angry all the time. I just know how to express it differently. Like uh, knowing how I am now versus how I was when I was nineteen. I, with maturity, I can express my anger in a more functioning way than I could at 19, but that anger is still there. It may not be to the same depth and intensity as at 19 because I'm fucking older, testosterone drops and all of that, but that anger is still there. Like, it's not that I have a checklist of cognition of things that I understand aren't okay. Like, it just... I understand that I can channel this anger into a direction that's not as self-destructive or communally destructive. You know what I'm saying? Like, sure. So, I think we're saying similar things. Be, you may not be as angry as you were when you were a teenager no, because I'm, your life has gone in a different direction. You have, you, you, um, I'm, you're I'm, doing good things so you don't have the things that made you angry when you were young are things that are not an issue for you now you know what I'm saying no I, I, I think we're saying similar things but we're coming at it from different angles like, I, I am way more up on things that are wrong in the world and I'm much more cognizant of them now than I was then but it was this like unchecked aggression then whereas now it's it's like a, a simmering Mm-hmm. A, a simmering I guess I'm not really sure what I'm trying to say but yeah it's just it's it's more it's more in control right well, I mean, that, that's that's comes with maturity understanding sure. how to channel and direct things you know how about you Mark how are your Mark is currently I'm looking up the dictionary he's, definition of anger he's <laughs> googling the dictionary a definition strong of feeling anger. of annoyance displeasure or hostility and like every, every fucking moment of every day, I'm pretty sure I'm as ang- angry as I was. Like I've been angry the whole time, my yeah. whole life. So yeah. I, I'm based on that We're definition. About the actual manifestation of it, though. But that's the definition. Sure. I mean, that's you know, the more stuff you learn, I think, in the world, the angrier you become with the world. I think. You know, you may be able to deal with it better, but 
it's just the more things you learn about in the world and how it is, I think the worse it gets. But you also, as you get older, you also understand that you need to find things that bring you some kind of joy or pleasure because you cannot sustain on anger alone. Definitely. But that anger is always there. And I think that's one of the things that keeps all of us past a certain age still interested in, like, hardcore. You know, because even though, like, even though I cannot relate to what a... 20 year old is saying in hardcore now i still understand that anger that they have you know what i'm saying like and i can still relate to that anger i just may not be able to relate to what they're angry about mm -hmm. you know because it's a different anger than it's a, it's a different but their their world is different than what my world was at 20 but at but some things were the same you know it's just you know yeah but, I'm not, I don't relate to... A lot of problems that you had don't exist anymore, and a lot of problems that yeah. they have didn't exist yet for you. Right. right. It's it's just a trade-off. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> <laughs> Waiting for, like, fucking downset anger to come on. Like. But I feel like, like a lot of people, like, who, like, with older bands, they think older bands have nothing to say. And I think that's that's. Um, I think a lot of the time that's that's fucking true. I think I, that, I was gonna say I would agree that a lot of times older bands don't necessarily have something to say, but the ones that do, motherfuckers say it. You know, like they they do not hold back. Like I would say, of the older bands that are playing shows or play shows periodically, ah, Ross Raj, Rob Fish, whatever you want to call him from 108, yeah. he always is on point with what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. And that's another person who I don't think that the anger has necessarily gone anywhere. Mm -hmm. He is just able to channel it into a better direction so he can have a better life. Yeah. Um, and, but, and he's always on point with what he's talking about. He has his finger on the pulse of what's going on in the mm -hmm. world. And I have never once heard him say anything that I disagree with. Not that that means anything, because mm -hmm. I'm a fucking idiot, but he, I've always been impressed with what he's had to say. Yeah. And other people in a similar age bracket aren't as in-depth with what's going on. Like they may, they may say out the correct thing, but you can tell that there's, there's not a depth of knowledge or uh, well, real, like, passion with them when they're saying it. Well, it's like this is hardcore a few years ago when Siv had his speech and Rob had his speech. Like, you know, Siv sounded like he didn't know what the fuck he was talking about. Siv and, doesn't know the and Rob Fish, half of the songs he's been singing. And Rob Fish was just like, you know, what he said was just like, hit like, hit it. You know, he was it like was right on point. Punch in the fucking face. And right on point. For a lot of people. Yeah, right know? on point. And, like, and I was just yeah. like, fuck yeah. Like, yes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's funny because at the boat show, Siv, like, made a little speeches, and he was actually on point. Like, yeah. he thought about what he was going to say, and it was like, yeah, you didn't, you didn't bumble that, and put your foot in your mouth. That dude can't time. fly, you know, can't just go on the seat of his pants. He's got to he's yeah, actually think it out. It out you know? He's got to write it on but, his iPhone. Yeah. But I mean, like, I think that, you know, Bob Fish <laughs> also kind of thinks it out. Like, he knows what he's going to say. He may not necessarily have it prepared, yeah. but he knows what he's going to say. Yeah, and he says it articulately. It's, it's, and he says it with punch. It's also very clear that he's just a smart dude. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, definitely. I don't, I don't agree with every single thing that I've ever heard that guy say, but I've never heard him speak and, th and thought he's a bit of a simpleton. Yeah, no, no, absolutely <laughs> not, absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, that thing about like the Nazis traded their boots for fucking Nikes and old shirts. I was just like, yes, motherfucker. Wait, damn it. Damn it. Read you up about Because I can point out like six of them right now. <laughs> Fair enough. So um, I know we talked about what we wanted to talk about on this. Do you want to talk about that? What, what am I talking about? Uh, favorite records now and like all time. Oh, boy. So, are we going to go year by year? Like, what are we doing? No, like, just, like, current favorite, like, you know, something that came out in the last year or so that you like. Uh, we're going to do the last couple years because I'm honestly not sure what's come out in the last year. And I've just been so busy lately, I don't have the time to, like, deep dive on records like I would have in the past, you know. That's fine. So, I'm going to say... Actually, that. so something else I want to talk about that uh, I feel... We should talk about. Um, so, you do listen to the Axe to Grind podcast at all? No. I'm in the group, but I don't listen to the podcast. But, I actually just started getting into podcasts. So, do you... I mean, they've talked about on their show about how, like, today, like, more shows are diverse, and they weren't really diverse in the 90s. And I, I have a different view of shows in the 90s. I thought shows in the 90s were fairly diverse. Yeah, I don't agree with that. But I also don't know, like, where... It also varies a lot depending on where you are. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, But it also, like... It, who does the extra grind? Tom Sheehan. Tom Sheehan. Bob Shedd. Bob Shedd and, and Pat Kinlan. Patrick Kinlan. I don't know the other two, but... Okay. Um, Bob Shed, legitimately one of the best people I know. That's also, great. Maybe I, I'm just saying I don't know him. Sure. Uh, but um, I'm trying to think of even, like... Definitely in the 90s, people were doing, like, shows like if Marauder's playing, Demise is playing with them. Yeah. You know, like, definitely that, like, somebody's going to get fucking hurt at mm-hmm. the show. Buffalo had, like, you would have, I want to say, I really wanted to say that there was a show that was, like, Copper, Snapcase, somebody else. And Lifetime. Yeah, and like, yeah. that's a pretty diverse lineup. Yeah, but like in like the way they talked about it on the show was like there that didn't exist in the nineties when I feel like that existed a lot in the nineties. I mean maybe maybe I, I think it did exist. There was a point where it kind of stopped because it started to be like, okay, if this youth crew band is playing and every third rate wannabe chain of strength is playing with them. Yeah. You know, like and, and that really like from my limited perspective and, and questionable memory, I would say that that really took off in 97. Mm-hmm. When, like, Floor Punch, Rain on the Parade. When that show happened here, it was all those types of bands. all those types of bands. Yeah. I'm not even saying that show. I'm yeah. saying, like, you know, uh, Floor Punch, Rain on the Parade, like, those bands, those group of people were very much like, this is hardcore, this is what matters. And people really started to segment even more that, like, oh, if it's a four-punch show, it has to be every youth crew band playing with it. Yeah. If it's Converge, every fucking whatever converges is playing that. You know, like, that's and that's kind of, I would say, like, 97 is probably when it was, like, very much box shows of the same bands. And I think, like, 97 is when Indecision started touring. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so like from that perspective, yeah. oh, we're touring and we're playing these same shows all the time. It was like 97. That was like 
when New Jersey really put a line in the sand and people gravitated to that because they were over Brothers Keeper. You know, they were over Snapcase. Snapcase was trying to break How did people talk themselves into Brothers Keeper in the first place? Dude, Brothers Keeper's good shit. I would say I I like Brothers Keeper. I didn't like Brothers Keeper, but I like Brothers Keeper. Dude, I I was listening to the continuum the other day. Like... (laughs) Brothers Keeper was good shit, man. It was good shit. I, it was a good gimmick to have a band fronted by a crow. Dude, like, hey, you know, like, Brothers Keeper was good shit. Like, the show but those were, like, the be- some of the best dudes ever, too. Yeah, like, the show was fun. They were good dudes. Like, they, they had a fucking, yeah, Brothers Keeper, man, yeah, all right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> they had fucking dope merch. Like, Do you think, like, when you got in, do you think most shows were, like, kind of one genre? I feel like... Sometimes that was the case, and sometimes it wasn't. I definitely feel like it was like that. One genre. Yeah. I mean, I started going to shows like here and there in like 1996, and started going to shows regularly, probably like late 97, early 98. Mm-hmm. And so like Mercury Theater shows. I was never allowed to go to the Mercury Theater because I was a little kid, and my mom would not let me go to shows that were straight up bars. If it was like a club. Then really? I was, That's yeah, fair. I was allowed to go to shows at Showplace around that time frame, but I was not allowed to go to shows at Mercury. The Showplace reopened. Like oh shit! <laughs> I imagine it's oh, still shit. terrible. Uh, yeah, I imagine. There's a lot of good shows there, though. There were a there million were, good there shows. Was, there were some good times there. There were some terrible ones. Yeah, <laughs> some of the shows that really hooked me into you know spending the next however many years of my life doing this bullshit. So did you happen there? Was little Alex Byrne allowed to go to the Agnostic Front show at uh, Showplace before Something's Gotta Give came out, but after they, I think it was before it came out, but after they uh, like got back together, uh, Roger had like blue hair, and I honestly don't remember who they played with, but like every Nazi skinhead from like a fucking 50 mile radius came. I'm going to say you weren't because you would remember. I remember... I remember seeing F with a bunch of a bunch of like sketchy ass Nazis in the room, but I don't remember hair color, and I feel like that would jump out to me. I, I couldn't say for sure. Um, I, I remember random things. I think he was also wearing a U.S. Thugs hat because I was like, "This is really random." I didn't really, <laughs> I didn't ever really have much of. Uh, I Agnostic Front was kind of like out of the scope of things that I was listening to until maybe like. Maybe like ninety nine, two thousand. They, they were kind of just and. I'm gonna say that was uh, when uh, Agnostic Front played B and B, not this past one, but the one before, mm-hmm. and they did the um, Victim and Pain set. Best I've seen them in decades. Mm-hmm. The best, so fucking good. The best so that I've ever good. seen them was when they played the Live at CB set at United Blood. I went into it not expecting a lot. They absolutely blew me away. I thought they were incredible. Yeah, I'm going to say like the best thing they did was add uh, Craig Silverman. Best thing they did. Um, and if we're talking about like great records or whatever, Live at CBGB's when that came out, so good. Like so fucking good. Have you listened to their, to their new My record? That is hammered. I listened to that so many times. Uh, I had it, but I haven't listened to it yet. Um, it... I like that they kind of revisited the cause for a long cover. Because, I mean, who doesn't like that fucking skinhead devil? You know, like, shit's great. Uh, but I haven't listened to it. Some of the song names are a little like. Yeah. What are you doing? You know, <laughs> like, what? <laughs> but I hear it's good, and I have it. I just haven't had a chance to listen to it. Yeah. Fair enough. 
Yeah, you know. I, I liked uh, Police State, or no, not Police State. Um, American Dream Died or whatever it was. I actually liked that. That was a decent record. Mm-hmm. It was better than the other stuff they'd done in the last, like, 10 years. Honestly, bands that are that old, I don't years. even really give their new records a shot because I've just been let down so many times. I mean, I I don't need to hear new Sick of It All records. I don't need to hear new... Craig Silverman is an adrenaline shot in any band he's in. That's that's fair. What's he been in? Slapshot, AF. Uh, I guess he was in, like, Only Living Witness or something like that. But the Slapshot records he played on, they're good. I mean, yeah. it's Slapshot, so it's like... Yeah. It, I, I love Slapshot. Slapshot is never going to be great, but, like, a good, a good Slapshot record is better than most other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the self-titled one that came out, like, five six years ago was really good the make america hate again one or whatever it was it's, it's okay make america hate I think again that, whatever that, I think that's what the last one was called okay Fair i enough. actually i liked the when when they did that uh, that greatest hits slashes and cross checks thing and they did two new songs on that i thought those were they thought, weren't very good i, I shoot charles and heston or shoot, whatever shoot charles and heston Okay, I think the lyrical content of those is meh, but yeah. I think that the songs themselves are kind of bangers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're like, they're musically, musically they're all right. The um, the seven inch with the fuck New York song, that seven inch is actually really good, and I don't think they play any of the songs off of that because of you know the the fuck New York song. What um, year was that? How is uh, how do people not just take that as the troll job that it is and like actually get upset about it? I don't understand it. Um, two thousand four or something. I think it was like a double seven inch. I think it came out on Spook City or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget what it was called, but that was like some of the best stuff. Like those songs were so good, but I don't think they play any of them. <laughs> and we, we saw Slapshot with uh, Sick of It All. You know, they're great. Mm-hmm. You know, that last Sick of It All record is decent. Did you really see Sick of It All, though, if nobody had a rat tail? <laughs> you, then you've never seen Sick of It All. <laughs> he hasn't had the rat tail in like 30 years. <laughs> like, if that's the case, like, no one in this room but me has seen Sick of It All. <laughs> Not that there's a lot of people in here, but you know what I'm saying. No one listening to this has seen Sick of It All. Our studio audience, have you guys seen Sick of It All? <laughs> <laughs> you seen the rat tail? Then you ain't seen shit. <laughs> Our studio audience. <laughs> Man, I, you know, I will say, like, when Sick of It All came out, like, Lou with the, like, half mesh shirt and the rat tail, it's just like, what is this? I love it, but I don't understand this. <laughs> yeah. Still I, you know, I mean, he would look ridicu- even more ridiculous than he did then, but he owned it, so he didn't look that ridiculous, but yeah. he came out with that shit now, I would just be like, well, he's like, old now. Much. Like, what's going on, dude? Gotta be pushing fifty now. He's over fifty. Yeah. I think. I think everybody is at least fifty. That demo's thirty-three years old. Yeah, and they're like in their early twenties when they did that. Yeah. Trying to do some research here because you know, we're uh, we got the internet. Got to be factual. (laughs) I'm pretty sure. I think Craig is the youngest. Yeah, I, th- uh, I thought I heard something. Craig is still in his 40s. No, he, I'm pretty sure he's 50. Let's, let's see. Um, let's see if he responds. And... <laughs> Dude, how old are you? 
So we were talking about like what we currently like. So like, give me some, give me one album, you know, hardcore, hardcore Jason that you think is really good that people should listen to right my f- now. My favorite newer, and when I say newer, I just mean like not some band of old half dead men that are, <laughs> you know, going on paid vacations, uh, masquerading as hardcore shows. You have to run down a list of bands and see if I agree with that statement. <laughs> <laughs> I love Higher Power. I think that band fucking rules. And their new songs are like, they have two new songs they've put out from their new record that I think are awesome. Yeah. Uh, their, the, their last LP, the, their only LP that's out at this point. Is that I the band that you went to see in Albany and you were a day late for absolutely, the show? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I drove to Albany to see them. I drove to Albany to see them on the wrong day. How'd you make that mistake? Dude, I don't know. (laughs) Dates are hard, I guess. Apparently. Is that the band from, like, England or something like that? Yeah, they're from Leeds. I think I listened to a song a while ago, and I wasn't feeling it, so I never bothered with anything. They're like if if the third and fourth Leeway LPs were good. Mm. They Um, are good. No, they're not, (laughs) and that's fine. I, you know, legitimately, I've never heard those two records, so I can't say if they're How do you feel? Have you heard a new Leeway song? Leeway-ish. New, Leeway NYC? Yeah. Pusher? Um, How do you feel about it? I don't think it's a bad song, but yeah. it's... it's People want to see Leeway. That's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Eddie, people want to see it. That's great. Yeah. Um, I've seen it. I'm good. That, that song's not bad. Yeah. You know, like, it's not... It's not a terrible song. It, it sounds reasonably Leeway-ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think like he is the only person that was ever in leeway that's in this. Yeah, you know. Um, but whatever. Might as well be a Truth and Rights record or whatever. Yeah, I think yeah. it's a guy from like guys from Mucky Pup or something. Yeah, I'm not, I don't know who. It's, the, I feel like it changes all the time. So I don't the, really uh, know. But I mean, we're living in an age where there's potentially three Dag Nasties touring and two Chromags touring. Who were the three Dag Nasties? Uh, Dag Nasty was Sean Brown. Yeah. Dave Smalley doing Don't, Don't Sleep. Oh, and every yeah. other song I, is yeah. Dag Nasty. Yeah. And Peter Cortner and the other people who aren't playing the Dag Nasty under Field Day. I want to see that one. I do too. Because I love those songs that era. and you know. Yeah. Like, but that doesn't change the fact that we're living in a time when you could see your choice of versions of Dag Nasty. Yeah. You can see your choice of versions of Chromax. Yeah. You know, you can see leeway-ish. You know, you can see, like, there. there's very little me having seen bands 30 or more years ago doesn't, I don't want to say it doesn't mean anything, but 20-year-old Johnny can see the same bands because they keep coming back. Yeah. You know, I, there's I don't very know. few that aren't, like, not going to come back. I don't trust that a band is actually done, done. Until well, I never trusted it until you know the like the defining member of that band died, and then I also saw a full turning point set somehow. So who knows? <laughs> can't even can't even go by that logic. Like right. I'm confident that I will never see Warzone. What are you talking about? They've already done it like three times. <sighs> yeah, but I mean, th- did they really? It's been done. I know. It's much much in the way the turning point yeah, thing that's, did. And the turning point thing happened because the Warzone thing happens. Yeah. You know, the and Warzone thing was first. Sure. Uh, you know, it was like, oh, we can do this. I, I, my, personally, I think that the turning point thing was 
done in reasonably good taste. I agree. Um, and the Warzone thing is fine. It was fun. You know, I get why they did it. You mean that set at Thompson Tompkins Square Park? But they also did it at um, B&B and I want to say 2013. Okay. Uh, and they had, like, different people sing the songs and stuff. And it was fine. It was fun. You know, it's, it's a nice dedication. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you were never going to – you will never see Warzone, especially now. Yeah. You will never see that shit happening again. I was not allowed to go see Warzone at the Mercury Theater, and I was like, ah, I'll catch him next time, and then nope. a month and a half later. <laughs> I didn't go see them because I really didn't like the Victory Records, and I still hadn't forgiven them for the gunshot record. And that's why I refused to go see them, because I saw them back, you know, like fucking 87 or whatever. And mm-hmm. I refused. And it was also like, you know, like it's, it wasn't... From the pictures and things that I've seen, 80s Warzone and 90s Warzone, it wasn't the same. The, no. the self-titled record was the second Warzone record that I ever checked out, and I almost didn't check out any more of them. Yeah. I mean, at that time, people don't talk about it, but at that time in interviews, they were like, yeah, Hardcore's dead. Like, this is the, this is what we're doing now. You know, it was just like... Yeah. Right, well, that's how you feel, you know, like... I've, I've got a workaround, though, in my head. That's not actually a Warzone record because it wasn't sung by Rabies. It was sung by Raymond James Barbieri. <sighs> That's it, was also, it was written by. Um, it was a, it was an altercation record, it. right? Like it was all like altercation I, I songs. That, I don't know about that. I've, I don't know. I've had um, people tell me that. But uh, but it was written by I want to say Paul, but I'm not sure. But it was like he masterminded the whole thing. Like they just kind of let him do it. Um, that's why, like, you look at the pictures. He's the one that's in the front. You know, like. It's, yeah. it, was, it was his baby. I like those victory records, but it's also totally time and place for me because like, I, got, I got the Sound of Revolution uh, like, not long after it came out. I bought Fight for Justice. Like, the day that it came out, I rode my bicycle to Discovery and bought the picture disc of it. I loved those records when I was you know, 15 years old. It's kind of like how... All things, you know, all things considered, I probably wouldn't. I, I probably wouldn't have much time. Yeah, because, like I said, I didn't forgive him for the gunshot record and the things that were set at that time. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of. I heard something and I was just like, eh, "This isn't as lame as this is. This isn't." Don't forget the struggle. I'm not interested. You know, and I figured that I didn't go to that Mercury show because I figured that they were going to be playing like that stuff, not a "What do you want to hear." And it was just all like don't forget yeah. struggle songs, you yeah. know. Yeah. When I found that, I was like, oh, that kind of sucks, but whatever, you know. You're so uh, you'll never see Warzone. Yeah. You'll never see an iconic Bad Brains. The the only time that I've seen Bad Brains was for a long time their last show because HR like just was totally out of his head to a degree that the rest of the band just couldn't even yeah. they couldn't reconcile I mean after the show uh, a girl went up to HR and touched his hat and he just honked one of her tits uh, with his I've full heard. force yeah I've heard I've heard the, I've heard the stories but like the best you're gonna get for an iconically like, bad brain show would be with um uh, Firebird, dude. I, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Joseph Israel I. That's the best you're going to get for an iconic uh, Bad Brain show is him singing. And he, like, at that Warzone Thompson Square Park thing, he was, like, to Dr. No, super fucking awkward. 
yeah, like, you know, when you're in L.A., if you want to do some songs, I'm totally down. It was just like, <laughs> we just walked away. It was like, yeah, this is getting fucking uncomfortable. Yeah. It seems like they should logically do that, but I guess there's something else going on. I, I, I don't know. I don't, I mean, they're not really doing anything, yeah. you know, so I don't know. I don't know. But, I mean, there's some things that you're not going to see that happen, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, you know. Apparently, you're never going to see Absolution or Burn again. Uh, Burn's really? done? Burn, from what I understand, Burn is done. Yeah. Um, and the word on the street is Gavin's no longer doing live performances. Really? Well, he was overheard at the one way because they did some weird, like, bass thing at the Vitus show that I, like, I'm sure there's a picture of me just looking at it quizzically because it's like, <laughs> what the fuck is this? Yeah. Um, and he was overheard saying to someone that that's probably his last live performance. But we'll see. You know, yeah. like he may get the itch or whatever. But I mean, Burn hasn't played a show in like two years. Yeah. Something like it's that. Been that long? It's been a while. Hmm. It was definitely at least a year. But like. When did that album come out? Was that two years ago? No, it was like three or four. Really? It's been they, that long? They put out a seven inch since then. And the seven inch is at least a year old. Hmm. Uh time flies yeah it really does you know and like they just they I, I my feeling no offense Jacques, if you listen to this I don't know if you will but my feeling is that when they really couldn't get it going because they played like a show a couple shows with like Deftones mm-hmm. you know they were trying to like kind of go in a bigger market and it just didn't Work. I mean, what did they think they were gonna? Do? I, I don't know. I don't know. Like every yeah. time I saw yeah. Orange Nine, and who knows? Yeah, that's the word on the street that Chuck is gonna bring back Orange Nine. I would we'll love see to see Orange happens. Nine again. I think it would like do well. But, yeah. Um. Uh. They had a different bass player and drummer. Like almost every time you saw him there for a little bit, it's like, what the fuck is going on with you guys? You know? Yeah. Like, every time that I saw him in the last incarnation that they were doing, they had the same drummer. They they switched out drummer. They had like the guys from uh, like Fahrenheit four fifty one for a minute, and then they had like two other guys. And then like there was there was a little period there where it was like maybe it wasn't every time they played, but there was a period where they were like noticeably switching out people. You know, yeah. it's like well, what's going on here. Honestly, I don't give a shit who's playing, unless it's, it's like the the really integral members of the band. And it's like if I'm gonna go see Burn. If Chaka's there, and ideally Gavin, but like says the guy that. who said that the Ken Olden youth today was like a scab lineup. Yeah, fuck that. If it ain't Wally, wow. it ain't shit. I mean, it's way important. Seen, but having seen both, yeah. it's it's fucking night and day. Agreed. It's two different things. Agreed. Like, but Ray and Porcel are the most I important happen, parts of that. If day. I happened upon, <laughs> if I happened upon I a Ken Olden youth of today set, Walter is the most important part. I think it might be for my enjoyment. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, because I've seen. I've Do you see seen how much the, fucking fun he's having? The Ken I agree. Then use it today. It's functional. Nothing against Ken. He's perfectly no, fine. Nothing against him. It's he's functional. not fucking Walter. You put Walter and Sammy in that, yeah. and like Walter is like a fucking shot of adrenaline to that. Also, shit. Sammy yeah. insisted that they play together, which I. I would say is the best Youth of Today song. <laughs> and the rest of the band doesn't really like playing it. Because Ray thinks that the vocals are hard to do in the song. But that the being said, though, weird. if you just saw the Ken Olden one, you wouldn't, and you never saw the Walter one, I don't think you'd be disappointed. That's no, true. you wouldn't, yeah, you would, you would get Youth of Today and it would be fine. Yeah. But if you got the Ken Olden one, 
and then you went and saw the Walter one, you'd be like, holy shit, like this Agreed, is yeah. The Walter, time. Sammy, Ray, Porcel one, yeah. nothing touches that. Nothing touches that. I mean, where's Richie, but still. Yeah, that'd be great if they got Richie. <laughs> Second yeah, guitar. Uh, California Rev 25th or 30 or whatever, I wasn't there, but they did some of the Break Down the Wall songs with Craig and Richie. Oh, really? Yeah. That rules. Yeah. That'd be great. cool. I don't know why they didn't do it in New York, but they did it there. That's awesome. Yeah. That is pretty cool. So, um, I don't think we're going to talk about our favorite uh, albums right now. I mean, why don't why don't we? Like, what do you like right now? Let's let's, let's go let's go uh, that way. So, um, what I'm so all right. What I've been listening to lately is the new Never Any Game record. But I mean, it's I like it, but it's nothing groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's it's it is what it is. Yeah. Um, I really like Gulch. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like the last Wisdom and Chains record. Mm-hmm. I actually listen to that a lot. You can fucking weird eye me all you want. I really like that record. <laughs> I never realized you were German. That's all. Yeah, I'm not, but it's a good fucking record. Okay. Fair um, no, I mean like it. it I really liked um, whatever the dying young thing was, and I like Class War. Uh, I didn't care for the next number of records. But this last one, the nothing in nature respects weakness or whatever. Are you talking about uh, wisdom and change? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I really like it. Like I just, I really like it. I was listening to the gym all the time. Yeah. Uh, the terror, total retaliation record. I really dug. Mm-hmm. Um. What else is like? I mean, there's a ton of fucking things that have come out. You got it's got to come off your head, man. I know. Well, I'm trying to like, <laughs> trying to like, like I got the magnitude record, but I haven't listened to it yet. You yeah. know, I got like the abuse of power record, even though that came out like over the summer, and I just haven't had a chance to really get into yeah. it. But man, here it's great. But I, I don't I'm know. really enthusiastic about One Step Closer. Yeah, I hear I got that too, but I haven't really like. I don't generally like the it. style that they're playing categorically, but I think that band fucking rules. I think like that's what style is that band? They. I'd have I'd have a tough time putting my finger on it, but it's like I, I know when I when I hear it that sort of thing. Is it like? Is, well, isn't they isn't that kind of like Banish? A little bit, yeah. but not really. Banish. Uh, in in terms of the the tone of it, I I can see that a little bit, but I don't know that I would really pigeonhole it that way. Yeah. Uh, I think that it. I think that you know the the stuff that Akulu has done up to this point is oh I really like Akulu fucking yeah. awesome Akulu yeah. is fucking good like Akulu is probably one of the better bands in uh in like NYC right now you like Mind Force I do like Mind Force yeah uh <laughs> what I do like Mind Force um I really like the Excalibur record even though I think some of the songs we were clear are kind of stupid I didn't get but that I band like at all it. until until I saw them about a year ago and uh, I really paid attention while they were playing and I thought they were awesome. Yeah, no, yeah. they're great. My and then is really their great. record makes a lot more sense to me now. Yeah, yeah. I saw them a few times I remember like, you know, yeah, check this band out, you know, like, some people like, and eh. some people like, yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh-huh. Uh, fuck, there was something else. It's probably, I keep drawing blanks. Illusion's all right. I prefer Akulu. I didn't like them when I saw them with Akulu. We saw them in Toronto. Yeah, I thought I they like, were eh. they were all right. I like next to Akulu was like. Yeah, no, Akulu yeah. is where it's at. Yeah. I love Millspec. I think their their last couple records are really good. 
they have an LP coming out that they've released a song off of that it, I, I'm not sure how I feel about it. I mostly like it, but mm-hmm. it gets a little bit weird. We'll see. I, I'm hopeful that I'll like the record. You know who I don't really care for? Who's that? Restraining Order. Really? I, I saw him. I, I just, no I best saw him. It it's just not. It doesn't do anything for me, and I don't understand the hype. I also don't get Fiddlehead. Yeah, I really like Fiddlehead. It. I'm not surprised, but I'm just saying I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't get it. Like I tried to listen to it, and I don't care for his voice in that way. And I understand that it's supposed to be this deeply emotional movie record because it's him dealing with whatever. Great, that's what all hardcore should be, but it just it doesn't resonate to me. I kind of agree all. with you. I've seen like the videos where everyone's like going nuts and losing their minds, but like yeah. I'm like, eh. Yeah, it must be a youthful thing. I can't, I can't separate my experience of seeing that band with my experience. I I can't separate that from my experience of listening to the record. And that band live, I think, is awesome. And I think that, uh, you know, listening to their records through that lens, kind of, it it makes me, it makes me more, uh, more receptive of the record. And I get it because some bands, there's, it's a live thing. You know, like it's uh, you get more from it live than you do listening to the record. But having seen them live and getting that, you do like. I feel like 108 is like that. Like 108 is great. Mm-hmm. Songs of Separation is one of my all-time favorite records. Uh, but seeing them live, it means even more because yeah. you see what what they're mm-hmm. channeling with that. You know, definitely. I didn't know who was in Fiddlehead or anything like that, and I was like, "Ah, oh, this is all right." And then I saw them play it back to school jam, and the intensity that that band played with, how little of a shit that they gave about how it it went over. At least the, that's the way it came across to me. Mm-hmm. I really respected it, and they were just like they were just a hundred percent into it, and it, it sold me. Yeah, that's great, but like listening to the record, it does nothing for I me. I get that, you know. And I and I tried. I wanted to because, like, from what I understood, it's like. He, he Pefflin, yeah, did this as like a way to deal with like his father's death or something like that. Am I not right on that? I do not know about that. Oh, okay. I, if it was something like that or something, something to do with that, like my mom died, I really like maybe I can connect to this. And I was like, it's just flat. On the I table don't. Right. I mean, there are people who just categorically worship everything that Pat Flynn does, and I but think the, Fiddlehead is his first band that I actually like am really enthusiastic about. Yeah, that's great. And, and, but I mean, there's people who are like, like, I'll check out anything. Um, Charlie drawing blank. I'll check out anything Porcel does. I may not like it, mm-hmm. but I'll check out anything. Porcel I feel like that was a direct shot at the Never Surrender record. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually thinking the the last of the famous record. Not the Never Surrender record, but that falls into it as well. Um, yeah, I may not like it, but I'll always check out what Porcel does. You know, like, I may not like it, but I'll always check out what Richie does. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Uh, I would I would say on a measure I like Richie's outputs more than Porcel's. But some of Porcel's outputs outweigh everything. You know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Say what you will about, you know. Underdog, it's, it's not gonna, it's not gonna outweigh the Youth Today catalog, no. Or even the cup of coffee that he had in Gorilla Biscuits. I mean, come on. Yeah. He was in the Gorilla Biscuits. Yeah, he, I have video of them playing. He was in Gorilla Biscuits. 
He replaced uh, I think he, Alex. I forget. Like I want to say he replaced Walter, but I don't think he actually did. He replaced um. No, yeah, yeah, he replaced Walter. Because Walter played guitar and role in this guy. I think that I. I could be wrong, but I think that Arthur left, Walter moved to bass, and Porcel played guitar. Oh, maybe that's what it was. Yeah, maybe it was something like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, Cause it's so it was I've seen that one. really tough. It was really tough for them to uh, find some. Gorilla Biscuits is pretty simple across the board for the most part, but those bass parts are yeah. pretty pretty complicated by the standard thing. of the genre. Yeah. Yeah, Sammy played drums. Sam. Sam. That Sam, dude from Limp Biscuit? Sam, Sam, yes, that dude from Limp Biscuit. Cool. Sam and Porcel were the, like, fucking combo. What was the band that Mackie was in? Fun Loving Fun Criminals? Fun Criminals, yeah. Criminals. Don't like Beastie ever, Boys? Yeah, I don't know that I ever heard that. Uh, they, have, they had a song that was on MTV called Scooby Snacks. Yeah, definitely. It was, definitely. Did he made any money off of it? It was a, a narrative song on the subject of robbing, robbing banks. Uh, and it also incorporated samples from Reservoir Dogs. That's, that's kind I, of I cool. I would charitably call it regrettable. <laughs> but, you know, so, whatever. Uh, the running joke is that nobody knows where Mackie lives because he doesn't want anyone to know where he lives. Yeah. And uh, one of the times I was doing merch for Chromax, we had to go pick him up. And I was like, oh, you guys know where he lives? And they're like, no, not really. We just picked him up on a corner. Literally, we picked him up on a corner. <laughs> so you kind of know where he lives. Yeah, like I know he lives in a nice area, but no, I don't know exactly where. It was actually, he he transferred three times on the subway just to get to that corner. Yeah, it was like, yeah. It was just funny. It was like, oh, you know where he lives? I was like, no, not really. That's funny. Yeah. Good times. So I didn't say bands that I like. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm the most important part of this guy. Get into that self promotion, Mark. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Gus who didn't show up tonight. Gus. <laughs> Fucking dickhead owes me a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Alex Burner Dollar is very upset about me. Is it like dollar. 90 cents though? Because you, cause, cause, cause you well, got now, your. It's 95, but I'm not, cu- I'm, not cutting him the, uh, I'm not cutting him the, the easy pass discount. There's a five cent fee for like, you know, turn around. <laughs> Um, I like, uh, what do I like? I like the Kulu. I like, um, I like candy. I you like... know, this is, this is going to make me unpopular with some people. Yeah. The candy records are decent. Mm-hmm. And I know that people are going to be like, fuck Chris fucking Wyatt. He's a fucking asshole. <laughs> Nothing new. Not fuck Chris Wyatt. He's old. He's fucking old. <laughs> He's he fucking old. He doesn't get it. Get off my lawn. Um, watching candy... Yeah, it looks like they're going through the motions of what a hardcore kid should do. I think we talked about this before. Yeah, but I I, we actually talked about it, like for people to hear. Um, <laughs> you know, like it just like this is where I jump. This is where I do. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like it, it's just like I I, I like the record. I listened to the record. I saw him, and I was just like, I don't want to throw the word. The opinions expressed by Chris that. Wyatt are his own. <laughs> <laughs> and do not reflect the views of the HMNI fanzine podcast. But it just—I I don't want to say. Do you think that's genuine. the case categorically throughout the band, or do you think that's? Well, when I saw them, they were all facing their like amps doing the metal thing, 
and uh, Zach was like doing his like the jumps when you do the jumps, and you know, like it just seemed that like he seemed choreographed to you a bit, a bit. And I would rather I prefer a band that just goes like fucking wild. Mm-hmm. You know, like I saw um, uh, Malfunction. Yeah, that's saw the band Malfunction they were play with Blind Justice. And, it was and like, get blown off the stage by Blind Justice. Blown the fuck because off the stage. Blind Justice is the fucking best. But that's that's the thing. It's like kind of a feeling of choreographed, just fucking doing it. Yeah. You know, and 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 so yeah. Seeing Everybody Candy from again, the shore is just a fucking like, degenerate. Uh, it's the best. I don't know that I would use the term degenerate, but they're on they're on another wavelength that a lot of people. I say that for. affectionately. <laughs> I love I love and respect the shore. Um. Yeah. Fucking shore. Are you going to those Youth Today shows? And judge, Youth Today and Judge? When is that? It's like it's like next week or something. Yeah, because yeah, I haven't this, decided yet. Uh, it's next, like, next I think it's weekend. like next Friday and Saturday. I'm actually, I, I had uh, a death in the family. I'm going to be in Florida for uh, for the memorial. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, my aunt had, uh, she had cancer for six years and it, she, uh, mm-hmm. she just, you know, she just lost it. Sorry to hear that. She lived in Florida? Uh, briefly, she actually she was living overseas for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, she was living and working in in Europe, working for the Department of Defense yeah. and uh, teaching teaching kids uh, of you know the kids of mm-hmm. service members. And then she came back. Uh, she moved to Florida to be near her sister, who was her best friend, and she made it about I think two years while she was down there. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate. She was a hell of a lady. Yeah. I was planning on going to those shows, but you know, life yeah, happens. Shit's more important. Continue on with your uh, your picks. Oh, speaking of candy, uh, I'm gonna have Drew Stark on the show soon after they get back off a tour. Fun fact: Drew's the fucking best. That's Drew is easily like one, one of the most talented kids in hardcore. And I also hear that like he is super talented, yeah. which he's, is awesome. He's a pretty good drummer, and then yeah, no, and then he and then he picks up a guitar, and he you're like, whoa, that's. He's way better at that. Yeah, he's just and when he sang for New Vision, who I think is <laughs> probably the best, the best Buffalo band of the last ten years. So good. Uh, so he why was, didn't New Vision go anywhere? Honestly, Damn. half of the band is like it was like checked out of hardcore basically, uh-huh. and Drew also has so many different irons in the fire that it was just yeah. yeah he was so band, good in that band. That band absolutely ruled. They sound like. If you know classic New York hardcore and the best Japanese hardcore fucked, and see now so that's good. yeah, and, the, and Candy I know is trying to really kind of channel that Japanese hardcore thing, which is great because not many people are doing that. So like, I don't really hear that in them. A, a little bit. I, I don't. I'm not saying they're doing it well. I'm just saying that they're they're trying to do something different, and that's great. Um, when I hear them, I hear integrity. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Which could which which could be. Like channeling Japanese hardcore because Wiz is Japanese yeah. hardcore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, parts of it, but yeah. But uh, take the bits and pieces you need. Sure. The a thing that I always found amusing is the term like classic New York hardcore or the New York hardcore sounds. Mm-hmm. That didn't become a thing until the nineties. Like if you look at the like classic bands, Absolution, Crackdown. Agnostic Front. We're not going to say Youth of Today because Youth of Today was technically a Connecticut band and Youth of Today was on some serious SSD worship. Uh, 
any 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 of the New York bands, Underdog, Murphy's Law, um, any of the New York bands from like '86 to '89, they didn't sound like each other, and there sure. was no defined New York hardcore sounds. It wasn't until like, and then like you go into like Burn, which was an extension of Absolution, you know. But you know, like these bands, they didn't. There was no New York hardcore sound until like. 93 94 when everybody started to sound kind of the same yeah which could be pointed a little bit at madball mm-hmm. you know uh to me the the one record that when you say what does new york hardcore sound like to me that that record that encapsulates that is Brightside, and like it it kind of yes it goes off in a million different little little branches from that but it, when people, I feel think, like that is a fusion of all of the all yeah, of the yeah, elements that think I think of. Yeah, hardcore, I think that 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 idea, that's the sound that kind of comes to mind. But like before that, everybody sounded different. Sure. You know, so there really isn't like a classic New York hardcore sound. But I'll, I'll give you like Killing Time, Sick of It All, started to like funnel the sound into a distinction. You know, that Madball ran around the world with. I think mm-hmm. that the. The rev bands that are from that area kind of are their own thing, and all those bands kind of sound like variations on a slightly different theme. But when you and a lot of those bands were only around for like a year, year and a half. Yeah, like uh, someone who I'm not going to say uh, really like. It was funny because it was passionate, like side by side in the loner and crowds. Like those bands were only around for like one summer. <laughs> Why does anyone care about them? Mm-hmm. And, and then the loner and crowd does that. That reunion show, but which was real weird, but also kind of the coolest. Surprisingly great. Like I went in with minimal expectation, and I was happily, happily, uh, you know, yeah, this is great. Like I'm, I'm, this is nice. I I knew that they had. Like I mean, you're talking about alone in the crowd. They had four songs and a cover yeah. in their back pocket, so you knew they were going to do other stuff. They weren't gonna they weren't gonna headline this show. They only do four songs and, and cover. Yeah. yeah. So logically, you knew that side by side stuff was coming, but yeah, when they started playing side by side songs, I like, I felt like I was going to explode. Yeah, I mean, I kind of chilled in the back and watched it. There was a song or two where I went up and kind of like sang along or whatever. Um, I probably had twenty pounds of other people's sweat yeah, mixed with my yeah. sweat. They Ugh. they did it right. And they only did it once, even though there was rumors that there were going to be more. Mm-hmm. One and I, done. I see what you did there. Uh, nothing, just <laughs> call back to regardless. Yeah, no, I thought that was that was great. And side by side, obviously, it was just like such a short-lived band, which yeah. got which blown out of the water by alone in a crowd's really only short life. Like, one or two songs, let's be honest. Like the other side Come by on. side songs are kind of corny. Come on. That seven inch is perfect. I love it. If you're into kind of corny shit, it's great. I love corny shit. You know, like, well, that is perfect. Yeah. But like, friends, come on. Come on. Do they think they're fucking that band, that band was so fucking fun. earnest, though. Like I, I will say that Jules was very earnest with the lyrics he was writing. They were just kind of juvenile. They were absolutely idiotic, but I mean, and even their best song they could barely play. Backfired. Yeah, I mean, obviously that's their best song. Obviously, like 
holy shit. And like, oh, then this is the rest of your 7-inch? Mm. I would say there's the, the drop-off is, is less sharp than that. But, I mean, that's... If you made a Mount Rushmore of hardcore songs, Backfire might be on that. Yeah, that's, Backfire that's, is in there. Like, it's in the discussion. You got other questions before we keep arguing all side by side? In the no, I think we're going to kind of... I think we've gone long enough, so we're going to... Have we now? Yeah, I think I think we're good. You know, hopefully somebody might get to the end of this, but <laughs> I don't even know how long it's been. Like an hour and a half. That's yeah, you know the going rate. Yeah, hour and forty-one minutes. But I got a cough some in the beginning, so it was good. Um, thanks to Chris for always coming through, and uh, thanks to Alex for being here. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks for having us. Hopefully I'll have you. You might come back in for some of the interviews and stuff. I think you're a good piece. I got uh, got some free time. I don't yeah. really have that much free time. You're right around the corner, too. It's true. <laughs> so. I, you know, I enjoy doing these podcasts. It's good yeah. times because I just like to talk about shit. Yeah. Talk shit and, you know, get in trouble. I always, uh, I was thrown around the idea of doing a podcast of um, hardcore people who were into like the tattoo scene and just doing yeah. a podcast like based off of that. So Mark. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, no, because I thought it would be interesting to like... Are you going to interview Gus's penis? I, you know, I mean, I feel, I feel like you're telling me I'm going to blow him and that would be an awkward <laughs> podcast because just be a lot of like awkward noises, which I could just like drink a Pepsi and probably mimic. But anyway, then regardless. Uh, no, but like talking to people about their, like, first tattoo experience, particularly, like, guys who are getting tattooed in the 80s versus people getting tattooed in the last, like, 10 years. Yeah. And, like, that, like, difference in all of that type of stuff. And, like, just... Because I don't... I don't know if people really talk about tattooing in the hardcore scene. Like, everyone's know, got them. Right. <laughs> but even, like, the people that got them don't necessarily talk about, like... Yeah. You know, I can't go up to... Isaac and be like, yeah, I was only about your first tattoo. It's gonna be a weird conversation. But in a podcast setting, like, totally can do that, you know. You know, like what just you know, whatever. And I just find that interesting because I got a couple of tattoos, you know, so like I'm curious about what Do you have any of Poseidon or <laughs> not anymore. Um I uh but I'm curious like how like how it came about for other people, you know, like what was their first experience at a shop, like what kind of shop do they go to, you know? Because, like, there's a little tattoo revisionism, you know, like, people don't want to talk about the biker years of tattoo shops, and that's where a lot of us got tattooed. Yeah. You know, like... Why wouldn't they want to talk about that, though? I don't know. I don't know. Biker stigma? Maybe. You know, and, like, a lot of those dudes were, like, you're getting tattooed by guys with, like, fucking swastika tattoos. Yeah, you I know, see what you're saying. Like, you know, and they just... The... A lot of... The tattoo historians want to talk about these tattooers from the 40s and 50s and 60s. When you start getting the 70s and 80s, they're selective about who they talk about. Yeah. You know, and they're not talking about like shops that were biker run. Mm -hmm. You know, and like you don't know what's going to happen when you go in there or what have you, you know. It's a lot, definitely a lot different now, you know. A lot different. Yeah, a lot different. Going to these nice clean tattoo places, yeah. <laughs> these boutique tattoo places, and get tattooed. Have, like I always say, never trust anyone who doesn't have a bad tattoo. Yeah, you know, and like a lot of kids today just don't have bad tattoos. Like they don't, and they're lasering the shit off or whatever, and it's just like yeah. you don't get it. You know, like 
that's a whole nother thing. Yeah. But, yeah. You ever gotten one removed? No. Just covered? Just blasted over. Yeah. I, I'm not into, like, I I know that right now lasering is a big business. Mm-hmm. It's just not something that I'm interested in. Yeah. I'll just keep covering until, like, I'm a, you can't tell what anything is. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that's it. I suppose it is. Till next right. time. Till next sure time. Make sure you subscribe to Chris's new uh, tattoo podcast. 